0: The abbreviated version of our daily show on Sirius XM Patreon, which is three hours long, but I want to present to you the opening segment of the show today, where we talked about beauty and order and rightly ordered systems and these big ideas that that everything else falls back. Like, like This is the root of everything. You want to talk about crime, you want to talk about abortion, you want to talk about the border. You want to all of this stuff, it's chaos. Everything you see out there that is discouraging, it's, it's discouraging because it's chaotic. And what we need is order. And I think the first thing to getting there is to recognizing, is to recognize that we are fed chaos. A steady diet of it to the point where we're numb to it. Most people don't even see the chaos around them. They don't even see the chaos they're living in because they haven't been presented with order. But once you see order, you're like, "Oh, yeah. Like, whoa, I'm way off." And I'm going through this process right now. So, uh hopefully this all makes sense what I said about it this morning. Enjoy. for a couple minutes about the 40 year old nurse practitioner mother of two young boys who with her husband like her pimp I guess went on website webcam websites and did sexual things for money she's a prostitute and she's running for state house in Virginia and I predicted that f- far from being shamed out of town and branded with a scarlet letter a for adultery or any other number of of shameful sins that she will be lifted up as a courageous woman an amazing mother a woman who had the courage to break the shackles of of society's moral constraint. This is a woman who should be lifted up as, as, as a, a mother of the year. Lifted up, this is how a wife should be breaking free from what oppressive society has told her is appropriate for women to be, slay queen, that's what, slay, that's the, what they say, I guess. Let's chat about this. We talked to Sebastian Gorka yesterday about something else dealing with morality, and he had there's two words in particular that really stood out, and it's in this little section here. It's hard to start a Gorka clip and end a Gorka clip because it just keeps. It's just so good. I don't know where to stop it, but here's part of it. I'm sorry. Mm, I love the ordered systems based. Oh, that's those are the words. Let me, let me go back a little more. Try this. Because that is anarchy.
1: And we need to get back to the original paleocon liberal with a small L. You know what I mean? You know, the Burkean liberalism with a small L, where it's about, you know, ordered systems based upon values. That's how you protect freedom. Yes, yes. uh, Let's jettison these Mm. Chronic ideas that actually actually help the left Mike, you know, libert- uh, the Cato Institute the crap that comes out of the Cato Institute You know it, it's it, you know, Bernie laughs at it when he sees it. I'm sorry. Mm.
0: I love the ordered systems based upon values Okay, what do you say to the counter that is? Uh, let me quick background uh, you may have saw this viral video of this single 29 year old girl Talking about how great her life yeah, is because,
1: the right. thing?
0: Yeah, so she's like my life is great, yeah. and I don't have kids or a husband and whatever so and then Matt Walsh and others are like, "Oh, that's probably not a great way to live your life. You know, kids are wonderful, marriage is wonderful." These things. And it's like, "Oh, you're forcing your way of life upon me." <laughs> so what do you say to that? You you look, Dr. Gorka, look, look. with your ordered system based upon values, who are you to say what's right and who are you to impose that upon me?
1: Yeah. It's so it, it, this is this is fabulous <laughs> question because there's no, there's no question, there's no, there's no issue, there's no inference of imposition. It's just common sense. This is how you, you deal with even the transgender lunatics. I'm not imposing anything on anybody. Uh, I'm asking you what's worked for the last 10,000 years. <laughs> I mean, let, let's go back to what conservatism actually means. It is to conserve things that work. Yes. That's why we are very leery of change, because w- what's worked? Since since the do- since since the time we left tribes, what's actually worked? Oh, people are happy when they're in families. Yeah, you can always point to the outliers where you know the single mother and Ben Carson's illiterate mother who had no husband to help her. Yeah, but that's like less than one percent. What has worked over time? Um, Not allowing adults to have sex with children. Yeah, that works. Uh, Not sexualizing children. Yeah, that's worked over time. Um, Having a, um, it's like, what is it that Larry Elder says? You know what the key to happiness is? Finish school uh, and get married and don't have kids until you're married. If you follow those three things, the likelihood of you actually having a functioning life 30, 40 years later and being happy it is incomparable to any other chronology of those three things. If you don't finish school, if you have kids before you get married, or you don't get married, guess what? The likelihood of you being a screw up or screwing up your children skyrockets. So forget imposition. We're not into the. Imp- we're the opposite of the imposition brigade,
0: right? We we're we're stop there. It goes on. The, that that clip, that clip made me chuckle <laughs> a couple times. I love when I ask. This happens sometimes to people. I'll ask them a question, uh, pretending to be the other side of an argument, and their response is, "Yeah, uh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, I, I know, I got, I know the argument. Yeah, we're just looking at the last—I don't know—ten thousand years of the human experience, and what works and what doesn't." That's all, that's all we're doing. But progressives must progress. They must, as the final verse in the book of Judges says, as it's describing what, how, how miserable things were. This is the 14th century BC. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. You know, there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. This has all been done before. Moses said when he gave people, the the Israelites, the law, he said, you shall not do according to all that we are doing here today, everyone doing whatever is right in his own eyes. It's in Deuteronomy. You, you, we, people defining what is right and true is a recipe for disaster, but that is postmodernism. That is... Progressivism. Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? And that is the guiding principle of today. (laughs) What is truth anyway? You know, there is no truth. That is the guiding principle. And from that, you can only get disorder and chaos. Conservatives want ordered systems based upon values. Progressives want chaos because there are no values because who are you to say so there's no values so what do, what do we have well we have everyone doing what's right in their own eyes just like people have tried for thousands and thousands of years. forget about uh gorka i, I don't you know he goes on like the next minute after that clip it talks about uh the failures of socialism oh but this time it'll be better because we'll get the right people in right forget about even socialism socialism is not that old just We'll go ten thousands of years of people doing what they think is right in their own eyes, and we're so used to the chaos. I don't even know if people see it. I'll give you a quick example. Then I want to play some clips. Uh, California just passed a law; it's on the governor's desk to give free condoms to in every public school and charter school, seventh grade, eighth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth grade. Okay, they just passed yesterday. And people just assume, and I don't want to go too far down here because this is a whole, we spent an hour on this, but people assume that kids, the seventh graders are just gonna have sex. Oh, there's nothing you can do about it, it's gonna happen, so we might as well make it safe. It's like, what are you, no. That's not a guaranteed, like, what are you talking about? If you had a society that was that an ordered system based upon values that discouraged said activity, you would get much 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 less of it. And when the progressives put sexual education into the schools in the late sixties, teenage pregnancy and STDs were going down the previous ten years about cut in half from nineteen fifty to uh, nineteen sixty 1960 to nineteen sixty eight, but they still had to pretend it was a crisis. To introduce this into the schools, and then what happened after they did? Well, teenage pregnancy and STDs went up, as they have for fifty years. So let's just—we we have fifty years of an experiment. We have fifty years of chaos. We have fifty years of sexualizing kids at a younger and younger age. How's it going? Okay. Well, how's teenage pregnancy? Oh, what's up? How's um, how's uh, number of kids having sex in uh, middle school? Oh, it's going up. How number of STDs? What's going up? Okay. How's it, so? How's sex ed going? Oh, well, we need more. We need more, we need younger. It's like, oh, no, no, that's chaos. How about we implement ordered systems based upon values? Because I'll tell you, there's a lot of diseases out there that you can't prevent. You're gonna get COVID, you're just gonna get it. Nothing you can do to stop it. And if anyone tells you that they have a 100% surefire way to prevent a disease, you should be very leery. That person's probably a snake oil salesman, but I, have a 100% surefire guarantee way to never get an STD. It's unbelievable. It's a miracle. I guarantee you this is a 100% success rate, always has and always will have a 100% success rate on how not to get an STD. No, but no, we can't. We can't have order systems based upon values. It has to be just pure chaos because everyone, even 7th graders, have to do what is right in their own eyes. In that very moment, heaven forbid, we call people higher. I want to but it's hard for people to see the the chaos around us because we live in it. We live in this soup. There is a so I want to I want to uh I want to visualize it. That's with your eyes. That doesn't do much good over the radio. What's what's what would be the hearing version of that? Audio audio eyes? That's not it. Or I don't know, what's the word, what's visualized but for your ears? I don't know, but that's what I wanna do. There is a, uh, was a composer in the 60s. His name was John Cage. He's an atheist, of course. So no order, no uh, no, uh, no truth, no beauty. And his goal was to write chaotic music to get you thinking about what what is music right that whole modern art nonsense so he would write music by tossing a coin just thousands of times he would toss a coin in order to decide what the next note of the song was going to be but he's like that's not even that's not enough i need more chance so he created a mechanical conductor so this robot conductor would stand up in front and would wave the baton at random intervals to make more chaotic sounds and he's like oh that's not even enough so then he had two at the same time. We have two two random conductors at the same time, and we'll have the symphony uh, do what? Right? No, it wasn't. He needed more chaos, more chaos. This is what progressives, they instinctually deep down, when people do what's in their own eyes, they they need to do the, the most chaotic things they can imagine. It's not enough chaos. I need more chaos. He was so against the beauty of the symphony. He needed to find a way to make more noise more random this is one of his most famous pieces it's called music of changes music of changes this is from 1951 enjoy So that goes on for forty-four minutes. I'll, just, I'll click. I'll just click anywhere else. Let's see what this is. Oh, we got an ad, which is better. <laughs> I'd rather have an ad for So it's forty-four minutes then, all right? All right. This is another song. This is Landscape, Imaginary Landscape Number Four. There are twenty-four performers, with twelve radios old school radios with the dial that you spin i don't know why there's two people per radio i don't know what that's about but they just scan through the radios randomly each each of them scan through the radio and here's the song So it's that for four minutes. That's the song. It's called "It's Called Imaginary Landscape Number 4. Now, if you Google that and you watch the video, there's a conductor in front of them waving his baton like an idiot. He's conducting that. It's chaos. It's randomness. And there's 24, I don't know, I mean music students. I don't know who these people are, sitting at these tables scanning through the radio, and they're serious about it. They're seriously... But there's no smirking there's, it's not a joke they're very serious and it just it's it's sad to watch it's like oh like look what diseases can be infect, inflicted upon human souls that they think that this is like a thing like it's just absolute like the, how deep we're, we're capable of so much idiocy it's unbelievable So what John Cage very inadvertently did or for his intention is to get you to prove his intention is for to prove that god doesn't exist that everything's just chaos and random but what he did to me is prove that god absolutely exists (laughs) right you want to ask me for god for the proof of god this is one of my top go-tos because god is a god of order this is what random chance produces this is what evolution produces random chance does not produce human beings and consciousness there has to be a creator for that random chance does not even invent the piano <laughs> let alone beautiful music from it this is one of my favorite um uh, classical pieces it's uh just compare that compared to this is sorelli compare that to this, this is an italian composer late 1600s They're pretty close, though. They're pretty similar. Should we do a little? uh, Should we do a little more John Cage here? So that's order. That's order and beauty, and focus, and uh, and people working together, and time and rhythm. Here's John Cage, uh, music of changes. So just a little side-by-side. Side, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe just one more. If you can't decide quite what's your favorite piece. This guy's super famous, by the way. This has got won like, a ton of awards. He's like a hero. You see what they want to destroy? Do you see what humans were capable of? Do you see what do you see what we can do? That's a thing we can make. This is what this is what is possible. And instead we're fed this. I actually don't like and this to me, like, isn't even that, like, That's not even that bad. And I, I'm not going to always make fun of TikTok radio channel for, I, I, I kind of like, I think I was on thin ice the other day with the bosses with that, but like what, there's no words to this, what John Cage did. Go listen to the the songs that are out today and the words of the songs, and they make it way more even offensive than randomness. Maybe, maybe that's the difference. You know, I should use a different example. John Cage isn't even that bad because he's just random. He's not pure evil he's not inflicting noxious ideas into the souls of children (laughs) so john cage like isn't even the worst but are you with me like that's a physical auditory representation of the of how rotten our modern ideas are that's it and instead if we called kids especially but all of us if we call all of us higher like imagine if you go into a restaurant like I just desp- I went to the grocery store yesterday and they were po- they were they were piping in like like rap music like rap EDM techno dance I was like what are you I'm here to buy vegetables like what is what is going on here who is this for no one in this grocery store right now likes this music what if we lived in a society that played real music No, you can't do that. And I'm not going to go into it now, but my, my the even better examples are architecture, ugly buildings, but it's all the same. It's ugly buildings, ugly art, ugly music. Try to buy. So we moved into a new house and with this big wall and we we're like, Oh, like, let's put like a, like an art thing. I don't know. <laughs> what should we put there? I don't know. Like art, but a piece of art. Can we afford a piece of art how much is a piece of art i don't know so we looked at art all the art it's just like two colors just like that's that's all there is there's no like real paintings of things like just art like random colors and then you're like oh that's not i don't want to look at that who wants that That's ugly but you know it's right in their own eyes right in their own eyes but then in life, so we're fed equally bad ideas. That's my point. It's not just bad music. It's in bad art and bad architecture. It's bad ideas. We're told to live by chance. We're told to raise your seventh grader by chance. Just drop your seventh seventh grade girl off at school and uh, see what happens. Oh, we'll see what happens. Oh, look, look at that. They're having sex. Oh well, better give them condoms. Oh, you know, that's just the way it goes. Can't stop them. Well, oh, yeah, no, not if you throw them into randomness. Of course it'll decay. And here's my favorite part of the John Cage story. The composer guy. Composer. My it's favorite, my favorite part of the story. These people who who propose that we should all live by randomness, they can't live that they can't live that way like none of these people none of these postmodernists can so they'll say there is no truth how do you know is that true is it true that there is no truth like boom done it's done though so anyone who says there is no truth you just you just destroy their entire <laughs> there is no truth is that true we can't know <laughs> okay get out of here words have no meaning do those words have no meaning? You just told me that words have no meaning using words. So what are we doing here? They can't live up to it. So the best part of the John Cage story is that at the end of his life, he took up this hobby of going into the woods. I'm not kidding. This is a true story. He went. His hobby was to go into the woods and collect mushrooms. Don't know why. But he created the largest private library of mushrooms in the country. And here's what he said. He said, I became aware. I became aware at the end of his life. He became aware that if I approached mushrooms in the spirit of my chance operations, remember how he would compose his songs with chance, randomness. If I approached mushrooms in the same spirit of my chance operations, I would shortly die. So I decided that I would not approach them in this way. That an amazing end to the story. He spends his whole life preaching this philosophy of chance and how can we make things more chaotic, more cacophonous. Ooh, word of the day. I could come up with cacophonous, but I can't think of the, the word for whatever vi- visual is for the ear. Anyway, more random, more awful, more horrific to the ears. It's like his, whole, his whole philosophy of the world is chance and no order, no truth, no beauty. And we all need to go along. This is the world he's creating. The world he wants all of us to live in. Does this his whole life. And then near the end of his life, he realizes that he can't even apply that to his little hobby of collecting mushrooms. Because if he randomly ate mushrooms, he would die. So, instead, so he, his whole life is chance and order. But when he's collecting mushrooms, oh, it's very orderly, very deliberate, uh, great uh, identifications based off of color, size. Uh, type of year uh, uh, where they're growing how they're growing uh, let's order them let's categorize them based off of uh, color and name and latin name and all you like that's <laughs> that's how his dumb little hobby couldn't even be done in the same way that he says we should all live our lives yet that's how everyone's living their life chance do not listen to these people who spout this nonsense. I'm going forever. Should I take a break? I have like a ton more. <laughs> this is one of my peeps. I just had, I had to do it. I had to go this way. I'll stop here. I had to go. I had to do something. Because when Sebastian Gorka yesterday said, ordered systems based upon values. I feel like that just gave me a green light. I had to roll on that because that is so good. I've never put it so succinctly. I don't like that word succinctly. I've never put it so pithy. Ordered systems based upon values. That's what conservatives want. We want ordered systems. We want this. We want this. I want beat, rhythm, measure, time, notes, harmony, accompaniment, We want ordered systems based upon values. Oh, man. How did that happen? No better way to wrap up the week than talking to the editor-in-chief of Breitbart.com. Alex, every time there's a Biden news story that comes out, I'm like, oh, please just wait, wait until October 3rd. Wait till the book comes out.
2: Yeah, it's definitely, thanks Mike for the intro. Um, And yeah, definitely something that's been crossing my mind a lot, but I have to tell you, I am um, on cloud nine with the timing of the book because when I committed to the project over a year ago, uh, there is obviously a lot of consideration of that Joe Biden, I mean, maybe wouldn't be alive, but yeah. certainly might not be running for president at that point. And uh, who knows what could happen in the news cycle until between when I started researching and when the book was going to actually appear on shelves and i will i i will take it i feel very happy with uh where things are at in the news cycle and even though it'd be nice to get in there right now and of course there's big sections on you know hunter hunter biden's gun charge and things like that that i would love to just sort of unfurl to the public right now uh, it, it's fine and you have to remind yourself and i think i probably learned this less from my first book breaking the news and more from Trying to help manage the rollouts of, a, of other books, like some of Peter Schweitzer's books, like via uh, editing the front page of Breitbart. Uh, it, it's okay. You can take a deep breath. Things will be, things will usually, uh, you can set things up to your liking when uh, the release date happens. So I, I, I'm happy, but thank you for thinking of me.
0: Yeah. Um, the, so we're talking Emma Joe. Two days ago, or yesterday, I forget, the days, I don't one know. One of the few people
2: who's actually read parts of the book. So oh, nice. more um, than point, five of those. She made yeah. the
0: point, as uh, after calling herself a humble scribe, which is how I will always Probably. refer to her from this point forward, um, she says if it weren't for Peter Schweitzer, then no one would have questioned any of this stuff about Joe Biden at all. And then she didn't say this, but if it weren't for her, and the Hunter Biden laptop, then we wouldn't know any of this. So that's a one-two punch from Breitbart. Yeah. Uh, and how about a, um, a one-two-three now from Alex Marlowe coming out on October 3rd? That's pretty significant. Like, that's well, – come on. Like, who else can claim that? Like, it is. this is a Breitbart thing that is happening in front of us.
2: Yeah, I had a section or a saying that I – Used a couple of times in my book breaking the news that all roads lead to Breitbart mm-hmm. and um, it's the and I go through example after example um, like for example the odd remember that odd James Comey press conference where right before the 2016 yes. election that he said all this bad stuff Hillary did and he was going to relook into a bunch of other stuff and um, it just took the world by storm. You know, It was all based on the Anthony Weiner laptop. That the or the Anthony Weiner hard drive, whatever they had, and Anthony Weiner got exposed, uh, figuratively speaking, literally speaking, he was exposed quite a bit, but uh, figuratively speaking, he got exposed by Andy Breitbart, you know, and it's just one of these things where there's just always a Breitbart connection, it seems like, to everything major that's happened in the conservative media and the conservative news over the last decade. And uh, yeah, of, of course, in what's happening with Hunter right now, there's. Uh, is not an exception and uh we own the biden beat this is reminding me of something mike that i'm working on right now that is not directly in the book but it's something i think i want to do maybe next week i I think i'm going to write an essay where i'm going to call for a reset in the way we talk about the biden's uh and this whole notion that he's sleepy joe and this whole notion that the he he's being puppeteered and someone's got their hand up his back uh, how it's just not helpful and it's not accurate and and he's getting way too much done and has gotten way too much done over the last 50 years and his family has gotten away with so many things we've forgotten more things that his family's gotten away with than all of the other prior you know 40 presidents combined And it is, and we act like he's just some bumbling, avuncular idiot, and he's not. He's none of those things. He's an incredibly corrupt person who's leading basically a crime family. And that is how he needs to be discussed. And now we have uh, a huge advance in that narrative yesterday with the Hunter uh, indictment.
0: So two days ago, before we talked to Emma, we spent two hours of the show talking about the importance of being able to in a in a pithy way describe what joe biden has done and and if you want if we want to get outside of the bubble yeah we need to have it in, it needs to be in a piercing deliberate right it's got to tell the story and also speak to the immorality of it quickly we don't have a lot of time here it's got to be one pew, and yeah. we talked. So first, all, I mean, let's, let's ask you on that one first. Like, what, what do you agree with? That is that important? Does that matter? Do we have to speak to outside the bubble on this, or can it just be people who follow politics all the time? And then I, that
2: I think the so. I, I think so. I think there's a huge fatigue in the culture wars right now. I think there's a big sense that a lot of the most prominent voices on both sides of the culture war are uh, doing performance art and are not really seeking the truth. And they're not really thinking. uh, uh, They're not really seeking any sort of a resolution. They like the battle. They like the sparring and uh, they're really out there for self aggrandizement and uh, amusement. They're amusing themselves while they try to get rich and famous. I'm not saying everyone is like that, but I think there's a lot of that going on. So I, I do think that anytime you can have a reset, if you can do it in an intelligent way, where you're reframing what we actually are are fighting about and what is causing problems in this country, then I think it's useful. And one of those things is the Biden family. The Biden family is a huge force for ill in this country for a million reasons, uh, many of which are known to the audience and go without saying. And hundreds and hundreds of more examples are in my book. Uh, and people will read all those. Um, but it's the, do I have off the top of my head like a one sentence summary? I, I, I don't, but I do think if, I could hone one, or you could, Mike. I think it'd be useful because well, th- they are a real problem, and uh, it'd be good to be to, to be rid of them. To be frank with you, yes.
0: And and I didn't mean to set you up to yeah, yeah. come up with one on the spot, but it's I, great. I say it because, no, it's,
2: it would have been a good question.
0: No, 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 I say it because Emma did, and yeah, what Emma did what was it? to your previous point. The one I was crafting was something like Hunter Biden, da 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 da, and she's like, nope, wrong. Not it. It's not about Hunter Biden. None of this is about Hunter Biden. It's Joe Biden used Hunter Biden as a conduit to accept payments from our foreign adversaries. And, and we could talk about the, the nouns and adjectives and verbs at the end of that, but just the, the putting of the subject up front. It's Joe Biden. It's not Hunter and then affable Joe stepping on Mm -hmm. rakes. Oop, loves his son, forgot. It's Joe did this. And that's the point of the impeachment inquiry. I like that a lot.
2: Yeah, and we we talk about at Breitbart, the the Biden crime family. Um, One of the early sections of the book is I go through all of the relevant Bidens, all of the newsworthy Bidens. And um, Hunter gets a lot of time. But uh, other than Hunter, there's no real mastermind there's no real uh, genius business person pulling levers it's a you'll meet some of the characters some familiar to you some less so who are taking advantage of the family name but there's just no close second to Joe he's the number one guy it's not even it's not even close And, of course, Hunter is incredibly compelling, and we're all going to write and talk about Hunter for as long as Hunter's on the planet. He's going to come up, and we're going to talk about him. Uh, But we really have marginalized the fact that the person at the center has been Joe. And I think Joe's been fine with it, and I think the fact that he does all these gaffes and sounds silly and stutters and does stupid stuff sometimes... Uh, all of that is a distraction it's all a head fake for all the bad stuff he's up to and I think that that's really borne out during his presidency where they're framing him as this unifying guy but of course he's the most divisive president period he couldn't be more divisive if he tried Uh, and then you see things like he's even having uh, just all of these normal blue-collar people are just struggling in his life I mean we're heading into this UAW strike and a a lot of it's because of his green energy policies Mm -hmm. as I know has come up on the broadcast it's the, his green energy apologies uh policies are, are what are why we're
0: here that's why we're here uh i want to play this clip this is such a weird clip uh this is joe being interviewed by NPR, and only i saw the clip before i saw the full interview because it's a it's a weird clip because this the interviewer woman and joe are sitting awkwardly close to each other sideways weird background it looks like like a dive bar background it's very odd she's using a shotgun mic which is weird and there's like another there's another shotgun mic in it i don't even know who that is like it's just a weird they're like so close it looks like they're like in a kiss it's like it's a very like weirdly off-putting like 30 seconds i'm gonna play her uh visually it turns out they're on his bus that's why it's like a weird scene here but uh this seems to be the next uh, excuse at all
2: former white house aides of yours who tried to warn you about the potential
1: conflicts of interest
0: nobody warned me about a potential conflict of interest nobody warned <laughs> me about that and at the same time george kent
1: not, the state department official yeah, but, testified but, that but, he raised it to you no and he your didn't staff. say to your staff. he
2: did not to say, your staff i stand never corrected. never
0: heard that once to your all. staff
2: and your staff and I, told him he has no
0: bandwidth well my son was dying members. i guess that's why he said it because my son was on his deathbed Is that is that the next is that the final excuse they'll throw out or is there someone beyond that?
2: He does this all the time where he says that he's done something or he hasn't done something and the exact opposite has happened. Mike, it it wouldn't stun me if he just makes a 180 the next time this comes up and he acts like it's no big deal. And he does this a lot. He did this recently with cognitive testing where he. Uh, said that he gets cognitively tested all the time and then a month later he was asked about it again and he said he would not get tests and then he sort of rage he flipped out at the reporter that asked about it and said he would never do that and he asked if the reporter was on crack that that actually happened. <laughs> And it, it's a this type of stuff has happened throughout his life. And every time he does that, we all want to punch out and we all want to be like, oh, he's just nuts. We're going to stop paying attention. Well, in, in the meantime, while we're not paying attention, he is basically doubling as a terrible president and the kingpin of a, a mafioso like family. In, in it, I'll, I'll say figuratively speaking for legal purposes, Mike. But <laughs> I, I think the audience knows what I mean.
0: Uh, Washington Post. One of the guys there, one of the re- editorial guys, uh, mm. wrote this editorial that, that Joe and Kamala need to not run next time. And uh, it's, its first point is it's pretty interesting that they throw and Kamala in there as if mm. like she's also 80 years old. And <laughs> she's not. Yeah. like She's her own separate, indistinct, distinct person uh, that has her own problems. But they throw him in as like a package deal. Um, but even and even that that was a question from an NPR reporter. So do you sense and should we be encouraged or how should we feel about more of these questions being brought up? Oh, yesterday on CNN, they did like a run through. I don't know if I have it here. They did a run through of like six or eight. Here they are. Yeah. On- I don't know if it's... let me si- jump ahead here. Just to get a ...last taste
2: month of. alone. Uh, he claimed he had witnessed a bridge collapse in Pittsburgh when he actually showed up about six hours later. He claimed that his grandfather had died just days before he was born himself at the same hospital. In fact, his grandpa died more than a year before in a different state, not not the same hospital. But um, and- well, he
0: goes on for like a minute and a half. With, <laughs> like Now, some of those are silly and goofy, but is there more... Maybe that's why we give him like the affable grandpa because it's like, oh, that's kind of close. Or should we look at those differently?
2: Yeah, I, I, I think that what's interesting. I was thinking about the David Ignatius column in the Washington Post, which is, it, I was kind of excited about it just because I like when the media seems confused. Um, but it also <laughs> really portrays Joe as a unifier and that someone who has done a pretty good job and has really kind of brought the country together and and then I realized oh yeah this guy's just just another stupid media guy who just write stuff that, yeah, it doesn't mean anything uh, no <laughs> Joe Biden's not gonna stand aside He he's running he's in charge he's gonna be favored to win anyone in this audience who thinks in the era of cheat by mail that Joe Biden has any doubts, he's probably gonna win uh, and I'm, I'm not saying he's definitely gonna win I'm just saying that he's sitting around thinking I got cheap by mail I'm gonna win and he's wanted to be president since he was a baby. And now he's here, and he has in a lot of betting markets as the favorite, so he's gonna run. Um, but it is fun to see the media kind of play this this role play um, uh, where there is a possibility he stands aside. I, I think there's no chance he's going to stand aside, uh, and I think uh, Kamala Harris is going to have to stay in the ticket because it's just too much turmoil to throw her off. So mm-hmm. I think they're stuck with that ticket, and I, I'd be very surprised if I was wrong.
0: We talked with Sebastian Gorka yesterday, mm. who you've talked with.
2: Why 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 do times. you like
0: Dr. Sebastian Gorka?
2: Well, what I like about Gorka is he... he is very famous you know pundit MAGA figure now but he earned it because he is an expert in asymmetric warfare and he paid his dues um and he started as national security editor for Breitbart which is really standing up a national security vertical we'd had international coverage uh, amazingly the, the in charge the person charged for international coverage originally was Peter Schweitzer Uh, Think about that. This is, I don't know, got to be 12, 13 years ago when when that started. Um, But the, he was someone who took a, you know, a normal job in Washington trying to be a, or becoming the expert on the anti-establishment right and national security and foreign policy issues. And through that, he got brought into Trump's inner circle on those same issues. And then he was able to leverage that into a really big career as a big a Megaphone for conservative value. So I, I just think that's the right way to do it that he was he, he really earned an expertise before he became the super famous larger than life figure and I just and he just couldn't be a nicer guy by the way off air, which is not everyone's like that a lot of people are cold off air. Um, and a lot of people are the same people, Mike. I know you've had this experience too. Uh, Mike is basically the same off here, which is, which, which I, I, I like for those of you in the audience. That's always very cool when people are like that. Uh, Gorka is the same way, only nicer. And <laughs> that's, um, and I think that's why I love talking to him so much because he, yes. he's got both elements. He's got the performance element, but he's also got the expertise.
0: And I wouldn't say this if he didn't also say it, it's the accent. That's what he told me. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he told me. I, I, I wouldn't have said, I wouldn't have thrown that out there, but he, he said that first. Um, the booming voice does help. So, <laughs> so uh, I bring it up. We talked yesterday and I forget what we were talking about uh, that brought to this, but he said that conservatives believe in ordered systems based upon values. And I so love that. Ordered systems based upon values. Mm-hmm. So... We spent uh, the first hour of the show talking about chaos versus order. And I just wanna to throw to you the example we used. So this is John Cage. John Cage was a composer in the 50s, and his whole thing sure. was about making random random sounds. So this is one of his pieces. So he would, for uh, everyone who missed the segment, he would flip coins to figure out what the next note should be. He made a machine that just made, it was a conductor that would wave the baton randomly and that wasn't random enough, so he would have two conductors at the same time, right? And it was just all chaos. And here's like something he came up with. This is the music of changes. Okay, right, so it's 44 minutes of that. And then we juxtapose that with Sorelli. Okay, so it's like, it's obvious but that's just a physical auditory representation of the bad ideas that we're also being fed every single day in our culture. Um, So can you just speak to this idea of, of ordered values of order? Like that's what conservatism is versus the chaos that we see around us all the time, architecturally art, music, and just ideas.
2: Yeah. I I think about this a lot in terms of the way I, i moderate my mood because you know at brightboard.com a lot of the day is focused on telling people where to either be outraged or where to prepare to be outraged and if you're smart and you live your life you make good decisions in your life and you try to find uh, a good spouse and you try to have a family and you try to live in a neighborhood that's not Riddled with crime and does not have a bunch of grumpy people walking around it who are broken, and angry, and left wingers. Then uh, you can actually have a pretty good life still in this country, <laughs> believe it or not. Contrary to what what you might read in the front pages at Breitbart, but you do have to go to the effort to avoid that stuff because if you live in some of these areas that we cover all the time, it's just it's it's not good, and you can't do those things. You you, you gotta you gotta try to set yourself up in a different place. But this is why. I can mostly come in to the show uh when i talked to you mike and before when i was hosting in mostly a good mood even though everything i talk about it was almost almost always negative i almost have nothing positive to say (laughs) on a macro level about what's going on but you can still avoid a lot of that stuff but that said that's where you have to prioritize and i see this in some of my friends who are people who work at breitbart people in my family uh, their their number one priority is all of this macro stuff that's all going in a terrible direction and i say you know what if you find a good church and you find a good peer group and you do some volunteering and you do some exercising um and you let all this horrible stuff just don't let it fall too far down your priority list but let it get to like four or five um then you gonna be a much happier person yeah. and, I, and i do think that that's a great exercise to do all the time you should do it every day
0: And listening to some Sorelli instead of uh, the nonsense we're fed all the time will help you with that whole process. Um, So we had someone call in the other day. Oh, we were talking about PEPFAR.
1: So So, you know
0: there was the insurrection inside the speaker's office the other day. Full-on democracy was almost torn asunder, Alex. I don't know. It was hanging by (laughs) a (laughs) thread. I heard about that. Uh, Yeah, right. So uh, they were like, pass PEPFAR now, pass PEPFAR now. And I was like, what's PEPFAR? So we learned all about PEPFAR and uh foreign aid to africa and all this stuff and how evil and terrible uh the republicans are uh uh-huh. have you been following this this pepfar stuff i'm not
2: on top of the pepfar so i'm gonna get educated from you
0: no we'll just foreign aid foreign aid in general and how it's a bad idea yeah. and how republicans are evil and awful in every single day yeah anyway so yeah. this guy called in and said oh you're just against you Republicans, you conservatives, all you are is against, 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 against. All, you know, what, so what's your idea? What do you think we should do? And someone called, someone emailed me I think, and said, you know, sometimes, Slater, it's okay to be against. You can say that's bad without also having to come up with the full-on solution. And we can work on the solution. Obviously, we will. But sometimes, like, that's wrong and bad is enough. What do you think of that?
2: Um... I'm, I'm I'm trying to think about if if I'm trying to think about if um, there are there are cases where maybe that's the guy I mean well what do you think Mike let me turn it back on you do you have a do you have an answer I've, on that one yeah I've always wanted to be
0: the solutions guy and everything right yeah and we always sure. want to come up with it like that's good but I don't I also don't want people to feel pressured into I don't want people to be discouraged or scared to say that's wrong. Because they haven't yet come up with what's right, even if instinctually they know that's wrong.
2: Yeah, I think that I think that's true, and I think one of the things that you and I are in the communications business, and we're in the making arguments business and the persuasion business. And just because you're the most persuasive or have a great argument, it it doesn't mean that you're necessarily right. It just means that you might be a better debater than the person you're talking to. So if you've got integrity, then you're not just using your persuasion abilities. You're actually trying to use your values and trying to use solid analysis. But, yeah, sometimes you can know something's wrong and not fully have it fleshed out. And you should go with that. Opinion. Sometimes, sometimes you you won't know for years that you've got something right the first time, and you might not be able to win a debate on it, but you might know in your heart and in your mind.
0: Alex Marlowe, breaking Biden is the book. Go pre-order it right now. It comes out in like two, three weeks, but get it right now and let's get it higher up on the charts than uh, than it even now is, and it already is pretty high up there. Breaking Biden by Alex Marlowe. Alex, thanks, brother. Thanks, Mike. Thanks. Appreciate you. Breaking Biden. Thanks for listening to Breitbart News Daily. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. On Monday's show, we'll be back. Dan Gainer is going to be here at seven o'clock, and then the great Larry Elder will be here at eight o'clock. Him and he and T, Tim Scott, he, he, yeah, he and Tim Scott are uh, campaigning to change the debate format rules. And I hate the debates with such a deep passion that I'm for any change. I don't even care what the change is. Anything other than what we're doing now must, by definition, be an improvement. But for any reason, I look forward to talking to Larry Elder at 8 o'clock Eastern on Monday. We'll see you then.